Hey guys, it's Caleb. I, I wanted to drop this quick recap into our podcast feed, onto a SoundCloud feed, and, and onto our website so that, so that you could be caught up with what we're talking about. We started a new sermon series this last week, um, but we had some technical difficulties, and so our regular sermon recording didn't, didn't happen. Um, but, but we're starting this new sermon series talking about uh, Luke chapter 10, 25 through 42. Um, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and take that and just go ahead and press pause and, and just read that passage very quickly. Um, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more. Okay, so if you had a chance to, to press pause and read that text, you'll see that, uh, that this is a lead-up to the Good Samaritan. Um, and then the Good Samaritan, that parable, you're probably pretty familiar with. And then a, uh, a quick uh, little story about Mary and Martha at the end of Luke 10. Um, really what we want to do over the next four weeks is compare and contrast those three characters, um, the lawyer, um, Mary, and Martha, and then and the one that Jesus tells the story about, um, the Good Samaritan. Um, so first, this last week, we talked about the expert in the law, or the lawyer, and that's where we, we, we started. And we're going to move to a, a conversation next week about the Samaritan. Um, and that's, again, even if you're not really familiar with the Bible, probably a story that you've heard. And then we're going to round out the final two weeks of this sermon series talking about Mary, Mary and then finally her sister, sister Martha. I mean, it's really important for us, as you read through that passage just a second ago, to look at verse 27 and see the thrust, sort of this thesis statement for the whole chunk of text. Um, really, we see there to in verse 27, to love God and love neighbor. Um, and, and, and each of these characters sort of, uh, sort of gives us an example or a negative example of those two concepts, right? So love for neighbor is clearly seen in the parable of the Samaritan. And then love for God is clearly seen in how, Martha, or how Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. Martha is sort of the, the negative example or is contrasted then with Mary. And this, uh, the lawyer is the negative example or contrasted with uh, the Samaritan. Um, so, so we considered the first, then the lawyer, in this last week, and and talked about him a little bit. I, I gave all four big ideas for this entire series, and and I hope that you take a moment if you go to the website buffalocitychurch.com and uh, go to the sermons page. It, it's under the connect tab. We should be able to find it, or just go to buffalocitychurch.com/connect/sermons. Um, you'll be able to find the the big ideas in a PowerPoint that I'm just going to embed right there on the website. So the big idea for this last weekend was simply this. The lawyer's interaction with Jesus gives an example of a selfish and exclusive posture that keeps us from loving our neighbor. Again, remember he's the negative example of what it means to love neighbor. When the next week we're going to talk about the Samaritan, and the Samaritan in Jesus' parable gives us an example of a merciful and inclusive posture that teaches us about loving our neighbor. So the lawyer and the Samaritan correspond with the command to love your neighbor, and then Mary and Martha um, correspond with the command to love the Lord your God. Here are the big ideas for weeks three and four then. Mary's interaction with Jesus gives an example of a restful, trusting, instructable position that teaches us about loving God. And then finally, um, in the last week, we'll talk about Martha, and Martha's interaction with Jesus gives us an example of a distracted, self-reliant posture that keeps us from loving God. So again, let's go back to the lawyer and think about the lawyer. That's what we talked about last week. The lawyer's interaction with Jesus gives us an example of a selfish and exclusive posture that keeps us from loving our neighbor. So really, there are two questions that get asked by the lawyer to Jesus um, in this text. And the first question is, um, is what must I do to inherit eternal life? Both these questions are asked with pretty poor motivation, as is pointed out by by Luke. And so, so the question itself is probably a good one. What must I do to inherit eternal life? 
But Luke shows us immediately that he is, that the lawyer in particular is testing Jesus. Um, and Jesus even just sort of turns this question on the lawyer and says, hey, what, what does the law say? Well, how do you read it? And the lawyer obviously answers the question correctly because he is an expert in the law. I mean, he answers the question, well, you you got to love the Lord your God and you have to love your neighbor. And a devout Jew would have known both of these things very well. Um, first, the love the Lord your God is, is, a, is a, part, a part of Scripture in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 in particular, that a devout Jew would recite twice daily. Um, so it would be very familiar to them. Um, the second part, to love your neighbor, comes from directly from a command in Leviticus 19. Um, and in Matthew 22, Jesus, as uh, he is talking about these two commands, instructs that the law and the prophets are summed up or depend on these two commands. And basically that, that all of Scripture is pointing to these things, to love God and to love neighbor. So the path then, as the lawyer asks this first question, what must I do to inherit a life? The, the path is clearly outlined by his own admission. It's to love the Lord your God with your whole being and to love your neighbor. Um, but then the lawyer sort of asks this follow-up question. He asks, well, who is my neighbor? And, and the first question was a leading question, and so is this question. Um, he knew the answer to the first, and Jesus knew that he knew the answer to the first. Being an expert in the law, he knew that the lawyer would answer correctly. But Jesus really doesn't give him an opportunity to answer this second question because of the point of instruction that's going to come um, in the parable of the Samaritan as we're going to talk about in the next, the next week. And the lawyer probably would have gotten the, the answer to the question. I think he probably perceived that the question was uh, uh, the, perceived that the question was rhetorical, but he probably would have got this question wrong. Um, I think he probably would have answered the question if Jesus had turned it to him and said, well, well, what do you think? Who is your neighbor? Probably would have said something along the lines of, well, my fellow Jews, my countrymen, those who, who share a similar heritage or tradition as me. But but I think what Jesus is intending to do um, in answering this question with his parable is to sort of get into and deconstruct this guy's world a bit. And so here's where a glimpse of the lawyer's motivation helps us to understand our own nature, and this will bring us right to our takeaways. Because Luke says very clearly that the lawyer, in his uh, in his asking of this question, is wishing to justify himself. We probably would have said something, well, if by neighbor you mean Jews, I, I, I got that down, I, I'm good, I, I've loved my neighbor. Um, so if we could just think on some takeaways then and think about our own nature when it comes to something like that. I, I think we've we, we when we look at the command to love our neighbor and we think along the lines of the lawyer, when we think that we do have it down, and I think because we we're, we have a propensity or an inclination to... Um, to modify the command, right? So we say something along the lines of, sure, I've, I've loved my neighbor. If he or she looks like me, if he or she talks like me, if we share political views or drive the same, the same car or, fall in, or that individual falls into my same age bracket or we wear similar clothes, shop at the same stores, etc., etc. Um, but we, we act selectively and say, yeah, I've loved my neighbor. Um, but obviously when we get to the parable of the Samaritan, we'll, we'll flesh this out more, but but the motivation is for the questions that needs to be considered, wishing to justify himself. Oh, that's what Luke writes about the, the lawyer. So here's the question and the takeaway for us. What are the things that God requires in Scripture that we are modifying to justify ourselves? What are the things that God requires in Scripture that we are modifying to justify ourselves? Um, think about Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. 
Um, he sort of has this reimagining of this um, this radical understanding of the law. And he says, hey, if you're, if you're sinning, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And, and what he's not doing is cut off your, or amputate your, your hand. But what he's saying is, um, what extremes are you going to do to, to kill sin in your life? This isn't about keeping the law. It's about, it's about personal holiness. And are we radically pursuing personal holiness as we, or are we modifying a command or any sort of command wishing to justify ourselves? Um, Jesus says, if, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. I think we modify that command by, by indulging the temptation to browse internet pornography or, or, to, or, to, or to entertain thoughts, uh, lustful thoughts of women. We say to ourselves, well, it's not that bad. Um, I've never actually acted on an adulterous thought. I've never acted on an adulterous thought. It's just not, it's not, it's not something that I've done. Um, but, but this radical understanding of what the law says is, no, no you've modified the command. You've wished to, to justify yourself. And so you've modified the command to, to make it look like you're, you're capable of keeping it. Um, another example from the Sermon on the Mount is simply, simply this: if you're if you're angry with another, you've committed murder. And I think in our cars, this is probably the best thing, right? I I yelled in my car at people and just thought to myself, well, they can't hear it, so it's not a big deal. And I've never punched anyone in the face because I'm angry. Um, but ultimately, like if we think about that, well, we're angry with people who are created in God's image. Um, and Jesus says, if you're angry, you've against someone, you've committed murder. And you're just modifying the command, wishing to, and just just like the lawyer, just wishing to to justify yourself. And again, then the question is, what are the things that God requires in Scripture that you are modifying to justify yourself? And then think about the first question the Lord asks too, as a as a takeaway. He says, "What must I do?" Well, I mean, that question is rooted in, in sort of a self-centered, selfish understanding. The subject of the that that question is I, and the verb is do. Um, the lawyer probably was a pretty organized, agenda-driven person, um, just like some of us. Um, and the inclination is to ask, what must I do? And, and I think I, on Sunday I gave the example of marriage, like frequently when we have a disagreement um, with my, or I have a disagreement with my wife and, and things aren't going well, I, I typically say, well, what do I need to do to smooth this over? But the real question that needs to be asked, and I think what Luke is directing us to in these 18 verses, and we'll see a clear picture of this unfold, is not to ask the question, what must I do, but to ask the question, what has been done, and what does response to what has been done look like? And and the question then points us back to Jesus. If we're asking the question, what has been done, and what does response to that which has been done look like, um, it points us back to Jesus, which is what all of Scripture is doing anyway. Um, and, and the tough things that Jesus poses for the disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, we can, we can look at those and say, yeah, they are, they are tough. Instead of saying, nah, they're easy. We can do them. Not a big deal. Um, I gave this example on Sunday as well. We don't have to climb Mount Everest when we're struggling up a foothill. We don't have to say we went skydiving when we hopped up a stepladder. Um, ultimately we don't have to put on a show making it seem like we're good people and God's requirements are, are out of range. Um, this is the, the biblical understanding of this is, is found in this interaction that Jesus has with his disciples when, when they say, um, when, when they're a little frustrated with, with Jesus when he, when he teaches them, when he says, hey, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of, of heaven. And the disciples sort of just sort of shake their heads and think to themselves, well, 
well, who then can be saved? And they verbalize that to Jesus, and, and Jesus says, hey, with, with man, um, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Um, so keeping these commands is, is definitely something that's out of our range, but, but we don't have to put on a show and make it seem like it is. Um, because of what Jesus has done, we say, hey, we, we haven't kept the law perfectly, but just like Paul writes in Ephesians 2, um, for it is by grace you've been saved, through faith, and it's a gift of God, not of your own doing, so that no one may boast. Um, we don't boast in, in our work, we boast in, in the finished work of, of Jesus Christ. Um, in Christ, all it's all been done. Um, we get to rest in Him, in His merit, and in His work. Um, and we don't need to justify ourselves like the lawyer, because in Jesus, we have we have all that we need. Um, so, so that's what we talked about on Sunday. I hope that was helpful. I hope that um, this can be a place that you can kind of uh, uh, launch into uh, thinking about and marinating maybe in this text. Maybe just spend some time in this text this week. I look forward to seeing you guys in community, um, and I look forward to seeing you guys um, next Sunday. Um, yeah, if you have any questions, like always, at the end of at any, any worship service, we always ask if there's any questions, always feel free to, to reach out to me. Um, you can call me or or, or, or find me um, online. You can send me an email, Caleb at BuffaloCityChurch.com. I'm more than happy to, to answer any questions or to think through anything with you related to the things that we've been talking about at Buffalo City Church. Um, well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you all soon.